1: OutKick 360 is back across the OutKick network and live from the 6th and Peabody Studios downtown Nashville with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, David Reed, the chairman of the board. A lot to get to. Plenty of headlines to hit today with the Tennessee Titans, Tennessee Vols, and much more that's all coming up in the Tennessee Power Hour. Headlines to begin start with the Alliance. The Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC, we'll, we'll get into that coming up. Gentlemen, good morning. It's
2: good to be back with you guys. I'm excited. Uh, six-year-old, had her uh, first fall ball, softball t ball game last night, so I'm nice. uh, energized by that. Uh, lost about five pounds last night pitching to those little nice. girls in the sun and the heat, <laughs> and uh, now I'm
0: ready to go. But you, not throwing up, which your no. mother would have preferred.
2: Did you weigh? No. Did you so weigh after the, after the practice? I weighed in before and after, Hutton, thank you, and I'm now seven pounds lighter all the girls after last weigh in. night. <laughs> yeah, all the girls. You have to make weight. I'm like, uh, Kelsey, you're going to need to lose a little weight before next game. You're really getting, struggling getting down the first baseline. Of course, I'm not saying that to a five-year-old, but that would be a funny uh, – would be a funny sketch on our favorite Netflix comedy that we've uh, we've discussed. I think you should leave. Um, no, it was it was a good it was a good opener last ter- night for the for the Yankees, my daughter's team. Yeah,
0: good opener for oh, the Yankees yeah, so in uh, Atlanta as
2: well. A stomach bug ran through my family. We, we played the video last week of Lucy puking and rallying uh, after she threw up three times, and I took her to the park to run around in, in a puddle. Well, we thought it was just you know her being a kid and got overexcited or didn't properly chew food or whatever. Turns out it was a stomach virus because my wife gets it, uh, my oldest daughter gets it, my mom who watched Lucy two days after that also had it over the weekend. And I'm talking to my mom, who I hope is watching right now, and I can say this to her on the show, Hi, mom. talking to her, uh, my mom and, and she seems almost upset that I'm not sick. Her husband, my father, Tom Withrow, also not sick, and I didn't get the bug either. And, and talking to her about it, you could, you could hear the frustration in her voice. And I even said, mom, are you mad that I'm not sick? That I'm okay? And she said, well, it's just confusing. It's confusing to us that got sick because you were around Lucy more than anyone
0: else. It seems like a man versus woman divide. And I I
2: told her, I said, mom, I don't, I haven't uncracked the mystery of everyone's immune system. You know, some people get sick from bugs and, Other people don't. I'm not saying that I'm healthier than the rest of you, but maybe I am. You know, maybe that's it. Maybe my father is the a little bit healthier. healthier. I mean, just I ask, don't... Just ask the Bob This, this was a bug that attacked the women in the family. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I can't explain it, but I'm so sorry to disappoint you that your youngest son wasn't sick throwing up with this virus, and I'm still fine if and with gets, you guys.
0: If he gets sick tonight, she's going to be like,
2: Yes. Yeah, it's a win. Well, if I get sick tonight, then it's defying all... Uh, uh, Timing. <laughs> yes, because it's been a 48-hour incubation period with this bug with everyone else,
1: and then I would be very just odd. a
0: longer incubator.
1: Maybe. That we'll we'll find out.
0: So that's what she's rooting for.
1: I guess. I, I just think it's great genes. I mean, it goes back to the Von Schmidow era, where one, of, one of Chad's ancestors sired half of the state of Tennessee at the time. Uh, this was in the early She'd 1800s. Oh, <laughs> um, this, yeah, the seed spreader. He was a crop duster, and that, that is exactly uh, how Withrow came to be. Crop One of his great ancestors uh, has uh, he has a lineage in practically every Middle Tennessee county.
2: Well, and this may defeat that theory because it is my mom's side that is the Von Schmidto's. So maybe this was a bug that attacked <laughs> the seed spreader and his lineage in the Von Schmidts because. Uh, the Withrow
1: side was the one who avoided this Weak. bug.
0: Yeah, we want to believe the Von Schmiddos are on the male side.
1: I, I just, know hey, that is. You know, Custer died. Von Schmidt lived. That's all you need to know.
2: That's right. And he refused to be taken hostage also yes, as he did. Uh, a member of the Prussian royal family. <laughs> my God, and he declared not. that when someone tried to take him hostage. Didn't he say, my God, you will not? He refused. Or am I mixing up stories? I got to find the exact quote, but it was, it was, uh, my <laughs> God, you are not. It was from Braveheart. Yeah, I know. But it was something very similar. <laughs> he had like a full...
1: Decree. He had to read from a, some sort of uh, scroll to like someone trying to all take him of our hostage. Stories
0: get boiled up in a big pot. And right. It, it all goes out. back
1: to prima nocta. Yes. Here on the show, uh, and all goes back to uh, man versus woman, which is uh, ties into a story Paul is bringing to the table this morning.
0: Well, look. I, I love these sneakers I have on, which are very light Under Armour shoe. Very practical for summer. Very practical for watching, say, a Titans training camp practice, right. which I'll be going to after this. But they require a no-show sock. And I've struggled to find an appropriate no-show sock. A lot of them function like a blood pressure cuff, cutting off the circulation in my feet. Terrible. So I dropped into a Macy's for something else for the Brazilian flip-flops that we discussed yesterday. <laughs> um, while I was in Tampa and I looked quickly for no-show socks and there were a reasonably nice pair uh, that didn't have the tight elastic that seemed like they would function. Now you could get three white pair, but there were options to get you know in a bundle but there are option to get three pair of different designs and i thought well this makes it easier to sort in the laundry nobody's ever going to see these socks and i was talking to teresa about them and i i showed her them, I showed her my feet in one of these pair of socks and i said uh, she said are those men's and i said they're unisex and she said unisex is what they call women's stuff for men who are okay, wearing women's stuff. <laughs> and I sent Jacob a picture, I don't know if he has it yet, of me in these socks today. But I don't care what they look like because in the shoes, you cannot see the, the socks. So it doesn't matter that they're a womanly sock. You can't see them. And they're, forming, they're performing the function and they're not cutting off the circulation in my feet. Terrific quote
2: from Teresa. And she is spot on. That unisex, every time I see something is quote unquote unisex, <laughs> My first thought is, <laughs> well, should I really be wearing this? Because it's clearly a woman's article of clothing. And if it's okay for a woman to wear, it's probably not okay for me to wear. And I'm really just wearing women's clothes.
1: So I think a it's... Sock. Here it's are the socks. A, not a blazer. Here, Here are, are the socks. socks. Yeah. It looks like toe coverings. Like, also, does it actually I don't really heel
2: These are the right, worst like. kinds of socks. And here's why. Um, and, and Paul, you, oh. you act like it's there like it building is. up a callus for someone playing guitar. But if you wear these and you walk around a lot in tennis shoes, I get a blister on the back of my Achilles heel Well,
0: that's a from U these problem. because
2: you don't have socks. Socks are meant to protect the foot from the outer edge of the shoe also. Get so
0: I need event. something that at least covers... Look at that flexibility. I got that on screen. Um, I'm Paul, pulling a hamstring. Get that shot so that I'm pulling the hamstring for no they reason.
1: Can't, you're not high enough, Paul. I was. It to get was on a,
0: screen on the one shot.
1: So th- this is very difficult for me to wrap my head around because... As we started OutKick 360 back in March, I believe the timing is right. Here's the shoe. This is around the same time that Paul paid over a hundred dollars for his underwear.
0: No, that's
1: for, right. Correct. Pair. A four or five pair. No, I mean
0: three shirts and, a and pair of underwear, underwear
1: and a pair of socks. undershirts as well. So underwear. Um, so for you to say that it doesn't really matter what you're wearing on your feet, underneath your shoes, or under your clothes is blatantly false when you're paying that amount of money for that article of clothing.
0: Well, I will say this. These socks were, I think, uh, eight, 18, four, maybe it was discounted $14 for three pair. But I don't, I don't really care. I would have paid $20 for three pair of socks that would solve my, my problem. I'm not, uh, not going to venture around Tampa Bay looking for the most discounted socks. I want the socks that don't cut off the circulation of my feet. These are serving the purpose that I looked for. The underwear is kind of dry fitty underwear that's very comfortable for a top flight sweater who needs to not sweat in a press box or to and from a game and whatever. And so I'd pay the price of these things that last longer uh, as opposed to need to be thrown out after six wearings where they turn yellow and the and the and the collar disappears.
2: Hutton, uh, you're not the only one sensing the hypocrisy coming from Paul Koharski right now. Uh Because Josh on the YouTube chat says, this is really funny from Paul after his stance on smash hats and them being (laughs) women's hats (laughs) and everyone arguing that a man or a woman could wear it. But now socks are okay. You
0: can't hide the smash hat. It's right there visible. A man wearing a woman's hat. This is a man wearing a woman's sock that's not visible if I didn't share it with you because what we do on this show is share things that might be funny and make conversation. But again, you're seeing my shoe, not my sock. So
1: now it's our fault Unless for I responding to the conversation that's you know, good, good for the show. it's a
0: conversation, but the it's woman's hat sock. is clearly a woman's hat. Would
1: you
2: wearing panties be okay because no one sees it?
0: <laughs> I, Are you wearing a bra I, right now? I'm not now? wearing a panty or a bra, but... <laughs> I, I think there's a difference between. But again, your
2: sense that well, it's okay something. because no one sees it, so I can wear. <laughs> Teresa's arguing you're wearing women's socks, and your response is, "I don't care because they're comfortable and no one sees them." I could be wearing uh, a women's thong right now and state the same argument, right? Chad, no, don't
1: put I don't that visual in my I head. I don't
0: care what you're wearing underneath, and the the <laughs> smash hat isn't unisex; it's woman's. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> I get you I got get. it It's I a get. woman's hat. The dude at our old station walked around very proudly wearing this hat, taking selfies of himself like crazy in a woman's hat.
2: I, I there's so many levels to this argument that we're having right now though. Levels, I'd like love ancient, to get to.
0: Like ancient Egypt, Jerry. Yeah,
2: levels, very, very levels, <laughs> levels for sure. Again, I don't know how those cuz I I've had someone, I think in fact, uh, from Mac Weldon one of our sponsors, I got some socks similar to that. And Their while underwear the socks, isn't free, by the way. The sock, yeah, people are saying, you guys endorse Mac Weldon. Those aren't cheap. You're right, and for good reason, because it's very good I underwear credit. and very good t shirt I'm not arguing
1: the price. I'm just arguing it's, Paul's uh, take that he doesn't I, I, care what, what he wears underneath his clothing. Yeah,
2: I, I, I'm not buying that. I think that was a convenient response to Teresa accurately calling you out for wearing women's socks.
0: If these are women's socks which they're not, they're unisex, I, I'm fine. They feel comfortable and nobody sees them. I think Teresa's
2: argument, and it's a great one, is there's no such thing as unisex. <laughs> it's men being okay wearing women's clothing. That's what the definition of unisex really is.
0: I don't think that socks really qualify under the big clothing umbrella. You know what I mean? That they're socks. Like, you don't see them hardly at all, particularly a no-show sock by definition is unseen. In its name, it's telling you you don't you don't see me. It's a no show, no shows.
2: Can't wait for tomorrow's show where Paul opens. Paul wears defending panties. wearing panties. He wears
1: pantyhose under his jeans tomorrow, right. live on Alkic. If 16. no one sees
2: it, it's not a problem. All right, if it's comfortable for me, then it's okay. It's very European. Paul Paul's gonna start. uh, Don't ask me about my fishnets. Paul's gonna have a purse also and and defend it because it's it's European. (laughs) Man man bag. A satchel. That's not even. It's a satchel. satchel. Indiana
0: Jones had one. (laughs) This is not even. This is this is a man (laughs) bag.
2: Oh, this is great. Ricky says, those are women's socks, nothing unisex about them. V-Love I'll, says, I'll Paul was rapper. just twisted into a pretzel. <laughs> I'll
0: bring you the wrapper. It said unisex. Uh. I don't care. They're comfortable. My feet feel great. It's as if I got a pedicure.
1: Hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360, and let us know your thoughts on Paul's unisex socks. Uh, today, live from Sixth and Peabody.
0: Let's go get Look pedicures at tomorrow.
2: This is funny because I'm actually, I'm leaving the show today to go buy socks. Like I need new yeah. dress socks, I need new manliness. ankle socks, and I'm going to go socks buy socks, ever. and You're I guarantee to... you I'm not
1: getting unisex socks. socks that go over the knees. Paul, we are talking to a sock aficionado. Oh, this oh, guy yeah. has Dad.
0: capes on his socks, yeah. that's way worse than well, what I'm wearing. That was a gift. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go and buy those, and I don't think you've seen me wear them since, and in fact I, th- I believe I cut the capes off of the you Superman the socks. Off? You I did. can't take the cape off of Superman. I cut the cape off of the Superman socks. Who gave Um, you those?
0: That's very I also received
2: some, like, peanut butter and jelly socks. Yeah, don't worry. They're a little too much. (laughs) I'm going to get new dress socks today, but also ankle socks. But I'll continue to You cannot get the sock that doesn't cover the heel. I just I don't understand how that's comfortable for anyone. You're not doing a lot of walking. To me, if, if you can wear those comfortably.
0: Dude, my heel is tougher than your heel, apparently. You've got a dainty heel.
2: I I, I guess. Or These I'm doing guys a lot are more. We're having a
0: big time today. We're giving them their money's worth. I hope the audience is reacting like they're <laughs> we, are. Well, we got some
2: good, a good response so far in the <laughs> chat. Oh, we'll
1: Coming that. up, we discuss the alliance going on in college football: SEC versus all. We we get into that versus much more. What'd you read?
2: Wait, wait says, do unisex socks come larger than a
0: size seven? <laughs> <laughs> these these said up to men size twelve. I wear eleven. It's a good thing I wear a thirteen. <laughs> well, that, that, they, don't go, account, that, they don't even account. They don't even account
2: for men like me well, who have a size large. thirteen no, shoe. You could have got that. You could have got. The extra too large. large. You could have got the extra large. They're <laughs> so like, look, we've given up. The, the man who created this, the term unisex for these socks, just in a simple attempt to fool men like Paul into buying them, that said, you know, I make women's socks, but let's see if we can open up to the men's market as well. Just gave up on selling that sock to hey. a man like myself with a size 13 let's shoe. Let's go a little further like guys here. Guys with a 13 shoe would never buy these let's socks. Let's go
0: a little further here. This floor of Macy's, not just this section, this floor of Macy's, men. All men, nothing, there wasn't a woman's item on the entire floor. Except
1: for those socks. (laughs) Except for those socks that they're trying to get rid of from upstairs. You know what? These socks aren't really moving. Let's move them down. <laughs> Left this unisex hey God, logo on. Hey,
0: Lacey, could you take these socks down to men's? They're really just not moving up here on the woman's floor. Paul let's has give offered. Let's a shot. Down, let's put them on discount and take them down to men's.
2: Paul, you offered a solution. And then they got a camera for, on me. They're like, think holy about this.
0: crap, this dude is picking up the you, socks. You, you, you gave, He's picking up
2: the I, socks. You need to almost. We, uh, there, there should be no free <laughs> plugs, but you should plug the maker of this sock because you offered offered a solution for someone who created a woman's sock that is not good enough for women or dainty enough for women that they hate them, but then changed it to unisex, and then they found the slightly effeminate male like yourself that loves this sock and actually
0: is willing to buy it. I tell you, they should package it with these Under Armour Hurricane or Hirachi, whatever these shoes are called. They should package them together. They should say, these woman's socks are perfect with these man's shoes.
1: Which makes them unisex. (laughs) Coming up, uh, the alliance. um, We'll tell you who's starting at quarterback for the Chicago Bears this week. It's not Andy Dalton, as they take on the Tennessee Titans. And uh, we'll talk Titans, Julio Jones, Derek Henry, and their practice schedule right now. We'll get into the Tennessee Vols as well. That's all straight ahead. First, though, Dr. Orlando Toyos and Toyos Clinic. See better, look better. If you're ready to enjoy the freedom of not wearing glasses or contact lenses, do like I did and visit Dr. Orlando Toyos in Toyos Clinic, the number one LASIK provider in Tennessee. They now offer the latest technology, flapless LASIK. And with flapless LASIK, the very next day, you can swim, you can work out, you can wear makeup. It is so accurate and convenient, Navy SEALs are getting this procedure. MMA fighters go right back into training after this procedure. I was back to hosting the radio show the very next day after my LASIK procedure with Dr. Rolando Toyos. And a common misconception is that depending on your age, a remedy to upgrade your eyesight is not always available. Ages 18 to 88, if you want out of your glasses, Dr. Toyos and Toyos Clinic, they can help you. And if you're 50 or older, ask about the refractive lens exchange. Those are ways Dr. Rolando Toyos helps you see better. Dr. Melissa Toyos helps you look better with smart graft hair restoration for men and women. Don't let eyesight and hair growth troubles hold you back. Call 888 That's 888 Schedule your LASIK or hair restoration consultation today with Toyos Clinic. Toyos Clinic, see better, look better. OutKick 360, across the OutKick network, however you're watching today, we appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube, we hope you'll subscribe to the OutKick 360 channel. Live from the 6th and Peabody Studios, downtown Nashville, right behind Music City Center. Chad, if uh, people ask, where is 6th and Peabody? Where is Yeehaw, where is Old Smokey? It's pretty simple.
2: It's funny you ask, Hutton, it's at 6th and Peabody. Right downtown, we're right behind the Music City Center, if you're facing towards Broadway. Uh, we're a block over from Margaritaville if you're a big Jimmy Buffett fan if you'd like to have a cheeseburger in paradise You can do that two doors down or you can come enjoy some moonshine some yeehaw beer with us and we are here every single weekday and uh, Great crowd on hand uh, throughout the week really picks up Thursday and Friday here, but come join us for lunch Yeah, uh, come say hi you can look in the studio and see us Anytime you come down to 6th and Peabody, but as we like to say, when people ask, where is 6th and Peabody, we respond and say, it's at 6th and Peabody, and that's where we are today, Hutton.
1: Great lunch options here as well. Again, come join us here at the 6th and Peabody Studios. Love being here uh, with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, and you can be here with us for a fantasy football draft. The Fantasy Football League is back this year. We're running it back. This will be the 6th or 7th, maybe 8th consecutive year we've done this. Great prizes on hand, and it's taking place here Wednesday, September the 8th, starting at 6 p.m. Paul, by all means, you've taken the lead on this. Well,
0: uh, I am the gateway, though you still must please all three of us in order to get in. Chad Withrow, working his magic, has gotten us the same prizes that we've had. This is the best prize package you are ever going to hear about for a sports broadcasting Fantasy Football League a thousand dollar prize for first place a suite for a Nashville Predators game for second place That might be better than first place.
1: You get to choose
0: you can choose uh, The first place winner can choose the thousand bucks or the Predators suite thousand dollars cash
1: We should say that this is a check presentation. This is not like a gift card.
0: And a set of tires for third place, all courtesy of
1: Two Rivers
2: Ford, and uh, just got Ford. the confirmation that we have those prizes literally 90 seconds ago, right before we <laughs> signed back on-, on air, which is great. And Two Rivers Ford is back in. Thank and you, John. We'll, uh, yeah, John Barker and his team
0: gets it done for us. Uh, Tammy, Tammy
2: Jacobs, Bo, they're all terrific. Whole
1: crew, Bo Barker, we love them team all. Team
0: lead, we love you all. Minus the three of us, and we already have one person in our first entry. 10 spots available. Start making your case. We love people that love us. So begin your campaign.
1: My favorite reaction so far from Lance Lee is we have the $1,000 cash first prize. Second place, or you know, first place, you also get to choose. You can, you can have the, <laughs> he's already laughing. You can have the, the, the Predator's Sweet night uh, for you and 14 other guests. And then, then Paul mentioned, New set of tires. And he goes, oh, whoa, this is is quite the league.
2: Well, you get so first place, it it just goes, (laughs) it's like a draft, right? Those are the three prizes you get to, if you win, you get to pick one. I've long thought that what if the winner of the fantasy league that week is driving in a construction area and rolls over a nail and loses a tire and just says, you know, this is like divine intervention. I'll take the tires and not take the $1,000 or the sweet night because so far everyone takes the $1,000 the sweet night for first place. And I'll tell you, usually people take the sweet night because it's valued way over $1,000 for them and their friends for for a Preds game. We're gonna have fun with this. Normally we're doing a huge event uh, with three different leagues this year because quite frankly, we've got a lot of things in store without Kick360 and some announcements coming up. We don't have the time uh, to do that or the space right now. So we're gonna have 14 people. It's gonna be a much more intimate occasion for people in our league. No guests, 14 people in a room, eating, drinking, drafting fantasy football, having a good time Wednesday, September 8th. We can't wait.
1: The Big Ten, the Pac-12, the ACC, expected to formally announce today their partnership, their alliance, if you will, for college football scheduling and beyond. Uh, as the three conferences come together uh, to form their alliance, and what is an effort to combat what the SEC is doing in college football and conference expansion. Uh, And what it shows here is we're headed towards the Power Four Conference, which we have alluded to and discussed um, really at length over the last three or four weeks with all of this. The Pac-12 to me is the real benefactor here with what their, their new commissioner has done in just a couple of months on the job. Pairing and partnering with the Big Ten here. And then the ACC as well, getting on board with Clemson and some of the other uh, marquee college football names on the East Coast. And this is just a glaring, glaring problem for the Big 12. Yeah, the Big 12. They're and done.
2: We said at the moment that Texas and Oklahoma left, I mean, they're, they're on their last leg at this point. That, that conference, is. It, you better jump on a, a life raft if you're a member of that conference with any other options. Uh, Seth Emerson with The Athletic wrote a great piece uh, today about this alliance also, and repeated some of the things I've said on this show. Um, I'm tired of this alliance being painted as, boy, we don't want to, we're gonna fight against this football-centric Southeastern Conference because we care about all the sports, and we care about Olympic sports more, and we care about academics more, and yada, 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 give me a break. The SEC had more uh, medals in the Olympics than any other conference. They they care about Olympic sports also. Uh, Texas, who they just added, just won the all-sports trophy for the past year. So they care about that. This is a football move. That's all it is. You can say whatever you want about it, but it's about money. It's about television contracts. It's about football. Now, the bigger piece about what he was saying in terms of the alliance and the SEC was, did the SEC overplay their hand? because they were the richest and most powerful conference regardless. And now that they've done this and they were so ready to admit Texas and Oklahoma, it's, it's an arrogant move by the SEC that didn't necessarily had to, be ma- had to be made at this point. They could have reassessed and said, what's good for all of college sports? The SEC and Greg Sankey, and again, this is the argument made in the piece, Greg Sankey and the SEC could have become the NCAA, by getting everyone together and say, let's do everything possible to save this conference in middle America first. And then if that doesn't work, we'll take Texas and Oklahoma. Instead, they decided to go the land grab route and immediately welcome them with open arms, take those two away, destroy a conference, and then that forced the hand of Pac-12, Big 10, ACC to do something. And this is the response, which this response, while it's not gonna make the SEC not the best conference in sports, it's not a good thing for the SEC in terms of power.
0: Well, the SEC isn't getting any good out of conference games, but at least it's got a packed conference. Big Twelve is going to have a nine-game schedule and not be able to play anybody that is worth a damn outside of. Uh, I mean, Central Florida can get all the games it wants now, right? I mean, play the best of the Big. What's well, left? Well, the, the, the Big, big 12.
1: Twelve could turn around and want to schedule the SEC. Yeah. Well, so nothing's uh, yeah. blocking that. Also, yeah. so
0: that, those will be the out-of-conference here's games where, in the SEC if you want to play somebody. Power
1: I, fun. I think here's where this is where we're headed, and uh, I, I I really believe this is this is the direction we're going to go, college football wise, especially all SEC schedule, and all of the Power Four conferences will have a semifinal <laughs> round to determine who gets into the college football playoff. That, that, to me, determines the national champion. And you want to talk about revenue drivers and ratings drivers? It's, it's coming out of these conferences, and really it's, it's just individual programs. I, I went and pulled, and, and there's a, a site that Jacob has reference to, uh, for college football ratings, and where you can go through all of last year, and you can say, well, 2020 is an anomaly. Fine, you can go back as many years as you want here. The drivers of college football television ratings Ohio State, Michigan, Texas, Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia. That's it. You could throw Notre Dame in there because Notre Dame has a TV network in NBC. I'll I'll grant you that, and it's not listed. Just keep scrolling, Jacob. The one thing you're going to see on this, everybody else is chasing badly. So you're either in the SEC, the ACC, or the Big Ten with the teams mentioned, or you're really on the outside looking in. No teams, here's what's glaring from this. No teams from the Big 12 or the Pac-12 are among the 10 highest rated regular season games in years if you exclude Texas and Oklahoma, which I'm doing because the SEC just added them. The SEC SEC still runs shop even with this alliance. So to say that the SEC has overstepped their boundaries, look at the television ratings and tell me who drives revenue. The top 10, I mean, it's not coming from the Pac-12, it's definitely not coming from the Big 12 anymore, and really it's Clemson and that's it from the, from the ACC. Well, and it's, um, in, in, in the piece I reference also,
2: it, it says the SEC is not the hero in this story. Uh, they're also not the villain, right? They did uh, what any self-serving conference would do. I mean, Greg Sankey is looking out for his conference. And there's not a conference out there that would just blindly say, no, it's not good for college sports to Texas and Oklahoma. So not the villain, but not, not really a hero either, looking out for their own self-interest and not the, the interest of, of college football. I'm interested, Hutton, and, and you're right about television, and it, it's going to drive everything. But I'm interested in, if it's, the SEC, if it's truly the SEC versus the Alliance, if that's what we're setting up to have happen, this idea of a two-semifinal... To get to an SEC champion in a super conference versus the champion of the alliance in almost a repeat of the NFL AFL battles, you would have a Super Bowl at the end of college football season. The SEC would do their own thing, crown a champion. And at the end, that champion would play the champion of those three conferences after they played their own playoff. That's similar to the current college football playoff. I don't like that as much as a unified champion of a college football playoff and just expanding that playoff field, but that is interesting. I mean, if you wanna talk about rivalries and the the geographic allegiances that are out there in college sports and how that drives a lot of things, I can't think of any way better to drive more rivalries and really that wedge between different parts of the country in football than doing that.
0: I would love, this will never happen, I would love to do it <clears throat> one year with the expanded college football playoff as it's been talked about, one year as we're talking about now with the SEC playoff and a champion going mm-hmm. against an alliance champion and then say, okay, let's compare 2024 and 2025 and what did we like better and then choose, which isn't how it'll ever work, right? It's going to be one or the other, but it would be very cool if we, were, if we saw both and then decided.
1: Well, what's... Uh... The trend, we saw this with the BCS, then they went to the college football playoff. You'll have Bill Hancock, who will go and make the media rounds and act like this is the, the true and tried decision. And this is what they're sticking with. This is what's best for college football. And a decade from now, they'll switch it up again because revenue and, and, and TV revenue drives all. We'll, we'll see the, the expanded 12 to 14 team college football playoff. And then from there... Once Texas and Oklahoma, midway through this, make their official move to the SEC, uh, whenever these schedules get fully automated with the alliance that's been formed now between these three conferences, I think you'll see things whittled down to where every conference has a semifinal, where you have your top four teams battle it out, and then your conference represents, with one team, to the national semifinal There's round, be a, and you have a round robin where you have four teams remaining <clears throat> that play for the national title. Here's the
0: backlash to that, Now, I'm not saying I agree with it necessarily, is college football talks so much about it, every regular season game mattering so much, and if you're getting then to two semifinals and, and a final, well... I mean, every regular season game matters. Well, right now we're in, talking about a
1: 14-team <clears throat> playoff. Into,
0: this, into the semifinal, but not to the same degree that they've, they've tried to make every game count or sold that. That's been the college football sales pitch, right? That, that the September game means every bit as much as the, the December game.
1: I, I still think it would. I mean, I, the, the NFL has added an extra regular season game. They've added an extra team to their postseason. Uh, where nearly half of the teams now are in the postseason, and the fervor will still be right there for the regular season like it's always been. And an all-SEC slate, again, in my perfect world, you have an all-SEC slate where you're battling out to determine the top four teams in the conference.
0: I like the bigger playoffs, but I'm always wary of going too big. Um, I just... I, 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 baseball's done it, and I think it's a mistake. And I, I'd rather go gradual than a lot.
1: Chad, what are they making I, right now off the fourteen playoff?
0: A, a lot, uh, five hundred
2: million. Yeah, I, don't, or I don't, I don't know the exact number, but I mean it's going to go up as you add teams, yeah. and th- th- so they're going to do that eventually. We all believe that it's already a division, right? There, there's what a, a hundred and twenty four stated FBS teams out there, but we all really know it's like eighty. You know, that's the actual number. So. We can speed up the clock here and just know that MTSU, for instance, and UMass and some of these programs, they're out. They're going to yes. have their own division. But, you know, Conference USA, uh, Sunbelt, some of these conferences will go by the wayside. So, And they already are to some kind extent. Of like if if geography and yes. past conference alliances and everything else mean nothing, which we know that they mean nothing right now, why don't the Big 12 and the AAC just go ahead and get together? And I would say right now the AAC has a stronger hand than the Big 12.
1: The AAC should just take well, you know the what? best of the Big 12. The Big 12 hates them because the ESPN tried to poach teams from the Big 12 to the AAC.
2: Fine, get over it. It's either survive and get over they your They have your a cease and desist with it. Or, or not. We'll stop the cease and desist <laughs> and get together. I mean, again, do you want – it's either do that or all of your member institutions are going to be independent. Because they're not going to have a conference. So the AAC is playing from a point of power more than the Big 12 almost right now. What if the AAC became the best of the AAC, the best of the Big 12, BYU, Boise State, go cherry pick from other conferences or independents and start your own thing. And then what's left in the rubble is major college football. And that's it. And I don't think that everyone in the Big 12 survives that. I don't, and certainly everyone in the AAC doesn't survive that. But at that point, when the dust settles, you have what is the new FBS, and everyone else is left behind.
0: Do, do, is there some, some degree of sadness or uh, disappointment? Like, I'm gonna take this to Europe, right? The creation of the Super League, which lasted 48 hours. The thing in European soccer is everybody has a chance. Now, it doesn't happen, right? Leicester City was this huge breakout that was a surprise, and that's the one time thing. There's really not been a one time thing in, in football. But if Missouri, say, Missouri's the bad example because they're, give me a, give me a, a Big 12 team, West Virginia. All right, if West Virginia has an undefeated season and things don't break right for uh, Alabama and Clemson, West Virginia can conceivably win a national championship. In the new setup, West Virginia probably can't conceivably win the national championship. Is there some sort of mourning or sadness for the loss of that possibility as slim as it was, because in Europe, that's where the uproar came from. Because in Europe, everybody starts with the hope that you can conceivably earn your way in, it's possible. You can start with that dream and it can happen. It doesn't happen usually, very rare, but it can happen. This creates a scenario where it really West Virginia won't be able to win a national championship in this scenario, right? I, again,
2: I think no, – no, they could because – and I'm going they with my in, scenario. If, if Big all. 12, AAC, the top independents, take the tops from you know Mountain West, WAC, that you want, if they just the – if you cherry-pick that and create another – it's a super conference, but not as super as the SEC or Big 10 would be. It's just a lot of teams – but if you created some sort of mini alliance, secondary alliance with all those schools, then I think you, you have a new college football where conceivably everyone left could win a national title. Because in the AAC you're, ch- you're taking you know, uh, Central Florida, Cincinnati, Houston, programs that have done something you know, in the past that could conceivably do something again. I'm not saying that they're going to win a national title, but in no scenario would West Virginia be the program left behind. That's not going to be FBS. In no scenario would Oklahoma State be left behind or Baylor or some of these programs that are out there that have been major college football for years and years. I'm I'm not not talking about those programs. I don't think Central Florida is going to be left behind. I think MTSU is going to be left behind. UL Monroe is going to be left behind. San
0: Jose State is going to be left behind. they're already on the outside. So it's no loss, really.
1: Well, their loss is going to be not getting these money Money. games. But again, like, I I attended MTSU, and I don't blame these schools for forming this alliance. It's not – I go back to – I always use Tennessee example. It's no one's fault or problem to make sure Middle Tennessee State University gets a payday. keep their program afloat. That's on them to balance their own budget as a business. And athletics, college athletics, is a business. Um, Unfortunately, that goes back to the student tuition. They're just going to raise the athletic uh, branch of the student tuition to make up for those costs, but that that is what it is. Uh, And I, I don't blame the bigger conferences that can go make millions. It's not on those other schools to make sure that Conference USA stays afloat. Not anymore. No, it's not. And you know, the, the TV revenue drives it. Even with this, with, with the merger you're talking about, Chad, with the Big 12 and the ACC, or AAC, I don't know a television network that's going to pay big money for those television rights.
2: I'm going to get into a more of an existential issue for football in the future. And, and honestly, currently, um, I, I'm not for opportunities being taken away for scholarships to all these different schools. But I think that when you talk about percentage of people who play a sport and those individuals that play the sport having an opportunity to get some sort of scholarship money to play it, I think that football is a little bit disproportionate, quite frankly. I think there's too much football. I don't think there's a lot of programs out there at the NAI level or Division II level or FCS level that, quite frankly, they are being kept afloat by other sports. or other factors, and I don't know that it's the government's responsibility for that, if it's a state school system's responsibility, if it's an SEC program's responsibility. I don't think it's anyone's responsibility to keep that going. You're seeing it in the state of Tennessee right now. Every year, multiple high schools are cutting football. They don't have the bodies to do it. Not enough kids are playing. The school is too small. They have to make the decision to say, we're either going to eight-man football or we're not going to have a football program. I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing in the world. If we cut it down and trim the fat to a level where there is college football at the highest level and then there's FCS and that's it because it's not the responsibility of everyone else to keep every football program in America afloat. And it's not football's responsibility to give middling athletes the chance to play collegiately On scholarship, there are other sports to play. There are other academic disciplines that you can follow. There's not a future in football for for most of these players that we're talking about. Again, this is a bigger thing than I'm, I'm discussing, but I look at football now and think about all these small schools out there that are recruiting kids who don't even play for their high school at times or aren't very good. And I think to myself, is there such a thing as too much football in college? And are we at that point? And if we get down to 75 big time schools that play college football at a profit, and that's it,
0: is that really the worst thing in the world? No, it's not. I think you raised a lot of good points there. At, at a lot of those schools, it's about the players and their families, and, and that's it. <clears throat> I will say this though, while you were talking, I was thinking about Peyton Manning's Hall of Fame speech. And I was thinking about it from an NFL perspective. and And to me, the way they talk and preach, right, for those kids that do play through, through college at some level of college, and this is free market whittling down going on to some degree, but for those guys who do play through college, some of them will go into coaching or whatever, but you hear virtually everybody that plays a college sport talk about the influence it has on their lives after that, and particularly guys talk about how football is special to them and had some impact on their lives in terms of discipline and teammates and all of those things. I think that's a value to the NFL in terms of keeping people connected to the sport. And I don't know if this is an investment the NFL makes, but that to me is where some of the financing of that level could come from that really would probably amount to pennies to the NFL to give some basic financing to some low level programs that in, in the eyes of people like us don't really matter but probably does a lot to the grassroots of the game for young men growing up with a fondness for the game that goes beyond our fondness where it, it includes a scar or a teammate uh, or a coach relationship. Look, I'm
2: not someone who doesn't understand the value of team sports and football on no, someone's life. It's I mean, I get it. I understand that it can make or break a life at times. I'm also someone who watches Last Chance You on Netflix and some of these junior college programs that continue to have football programs I mean, and I it think exist. what's the point? Yeah. I mean, you're going to games with 15 people in the stands. It, you're losing money. 75% of the kids on these rosters Football's not really helping them. It's giving them another semester or another year to go to a community college or a junior college to try to realize a dream that's probably never going to happen for 95% of these kids. It's kind of forestalling not, the real questions. I'm that watching face a and lot like. of them. I think it's not really changing your behavior if you've got a criminal past or if you're from a, a, a bad spot. I don't know. We have to come to grips with how much is it really helping when is enough enough, what programs are worth saving, what programs are not worth saving. I see a future with the amount of kids playing flag football right now where some of these programs that are losing their ass on actual football could move to flag football because it is a hell of a lot less expensive to pay for flags and uniforms instead of equipment and 90 players and everything else. If you give half scholarships to 20 guys – For a flag football program you decide we're going to be the top flag football program in america you're still giving opportunities to kids that otherwise might not have that opportunity to go to college but as we grapple with the importance of college moving forward and debt and scholarships and where those scholarships should be placed these are all big questions that we're going to have to sort through.
1: Hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360, as we broadcast live from the 6th and Peabody Studios with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, And if you're watching on YouTube, we hope you'll hit the subscription button. You'll ring the bell so that you're alerted every day we go live right here from 6th and Peabody. And by doing so, you'll be automatically entered to win the Sony and Hertz Audison prize pack. We're giving this away next Tuesday, August 31st. Sony AX3000 car stereo with Apple CarPlay, you see it there on your screen. Sony creates and delivers more entertainment experiences to more people on Earth. And you'll also get the Hertz Audison 520-watt amp, the 400-watt powered sub box, and the speaker system. You get everything. It's over a $2,500 value. We're giving that away to one lucky subscriber next Tuesday, August 31st. All you have to do is subscribe to the Outkick 360 channel on YouTube, and then hit the alert button so that you know we go live every day at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Outkick 360 live on the Outkick Network from the 6th and Peabody Studios downtown Nashville with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. They've got the brewery, the the distillery right here on site. You can come join us for lunch uh, for happy hour whenever we move next week to 2 to 5 central, 3 to 6 eastern. Looking forward to that which starts on Monday and again every day live here at 6th and Peabody. Justin Fields will be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears as they take on the Tennessee Titans this Saturday at Nissan Stadium. Uh, they, they, they maintain as an organization that Andy Dalton is their starting quarterback, and they're, they're trying to pitch this as, read into this as, we're resting our starter for the regular season. It's hard to read in it, into it that way when you know uh, the quarterback that they that they wanted, that they traded up for at number 11 overall uh, is is the quarterback that's starting preseason game number three and that we know will be starting sooner rather than later.
0: I buy it. I mean, I, I think you're beyond the time where you're you're uh, faking stuff and they're not saying, hey, we're still sorting it out the way that Urban Meyer's saying in Jacksonville, hey, we're still sorting it out. They've been saying all along Dalton's going to start the season and this is Nagy being consistent with Dalton's going to start the season. So all of us are objecting to it. We don't really agree with it or, or completely understand it, but that's the way they're going. Um, And, you know, some of the national guys, Albert Breer in particular, are pointing out one thing, that it's a lot easier if things are going, when things are going badly, I think most of us would say, with Andy Dalton, to pull him and replace him with the rookie. Whereas if you start the rookie at the beginning and it goes badly and you want a scenario where you take him out, replace him with the starter, then go back to the rookie later, it's a lot more complicated. These are all things that I think the three of us would agree. You just deal with them. It's if also easier it to keep
1: goes. your job whenever you start 0-3 or 0-4 and you have a rookie quarterback that was 11th Maybe overall uh, that comes in for you. It saves you at least another month or two uh, before you and inevitably get fired. I mean, it, the, the, the tandem with the GM and the head coach right now in Chicago is not good. No. The fans are upset. They want Justin Fields. They are going to boo Andy Dalton when he takes the field. Uh, for the second possession of their first home game at Soldier Field when they don't score on possession number one. It might and, them, and it uh, will be before that. They will not show mercy towards him. They are not doing that in the preseason right now. I just think that he's already fired.
2: If, if, he, if, the, if this decision is at all made to try to save his job, because an 0-3 start is going to help him when he brings in the, the – I think it hurts him. I mean, I think if they start poorly with Andy Dalton and then they bring Justin Fields in and he's decent at all or even show signs of life, the the questions from the fans and everyone else is going to be, why didn't you start Justin Fields at the beginning of the season? I also think it's a great sign for your starting quarterback when from a Titans perspective, I'm thrilled we're not going to see Andy Dalton. In that game and that Justin Fields is starting because I'm way more interested in Justin Fields than anything that Andy Dalton could accomplish.
1: Well, it's 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 a one read and he tucks and runs. That's his game right now. And that that, that's what I've seen in the preseason game. I watched this past week against the Bills. I would would not recommend going back to watch any of that. It was a terrible preseason game. Uh, In fact, I I don't recommend watching preseason games. Just come here. We'll tell you what happened in the preseason. Go, go about your weekend, this upcoming weekend. Don't bother with these non-impactful matchups across the NFL that will inevitably get very high ratings locally in all these markets. My point, Paul, uh, it's going to be one read and run. I wonder if this in some way, some minor way, helps them in, in preparation for Kyler Murray, who also is a very mobile option yep. in week one.
0: Yeah, but, uh, it, They would have
1: seen a lot of bad. fields anyway, but now yeah. you get your first team defense <clears throat> against them.
0: Yeah, and they're not going to play for very long. Vrabel said, uh, you know, the guys that they can get in, I think he said, 5 to 15 snaps, and they'll still hold uh, some of them out. But yeah, it's not bad preparation for Kyler. And I'm, not,
1: I'm just trying to compare the two. Murray yeah. right right now is better. Yeah. Uh, and and going into year three with the same head coach, you would expect him to be. Yeah.
0: Some continuity and consistency yeah. there. The other thing we in talking about the Bears and this decision, uh, I'm not thinking that uh, Virginia McCaskey, who's uh, you know super old, is is you know involved in the day to day stuff. But the McCaskey family is certainly uh, giving whatever sort of ownership blessing is necessary in the context of their franchise to Nagy's plan. They either told Nagy and Pace, you know, you do what you think is best and and we back you, Mm -hmm. or those guys brought it to them and said, this is what we're intending to do. Are you cool with it? And they said, yes. Or, you know, when the draft was held, whatever, there's some ownership uh, blessing however the machinations work to this Have they're to not going against you know the owner saying we want you to draft this guy and put him right in the lineup and they're saying no no we're going do there's no strife there there never is with these young quarterbacks coming in the 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 coach and the gm are talking to ownership and getting approval for it uh you know even when vince young you used as an example yesterday the titans drafted vince young because bud adams wanted him but when Jeff Fisher sat him for a long time. He did so with Bud Adams' approval. And then, guess what? When Vince Young got in the lineup, it was with some pressure from, from Bud.
1: And, you know, Chad, going back to your point yesterday about when you insert the rookie, this, this preseason game where he's going to get the majority of the reps will help in that determination of where he is. You can, you can go about this week because teams now are going into regular season mode. You can go about this week where he's preparing for his opponent, albeit it'll be a bland look. Um, and you can you can throw multiple things at him through a playbook aspect and have him go out and try to execute that. More, more than one read. And if he impresses you, great. Maybe the timetables increase a bit. Uh, but internally, it, it's clear that they're saying... He's not ready for what Andy Dalton is capable of running whenever we take on the L.A. Rams September the 12th.
2: Well, it's the only thing that makes this preseason game worth watching to me is the facts you just laid out, Hutton, that it's going to be more of a preparation and you're going to get a majority of the snaps with Justin Fields. I mean, that's, there's really nothing to watch from the Titans' perspective in this game with none of the offensive starters playing or, or very little. Uh, I think that's the storyline going into this this Bears-Titans game is, is Justin Fields. And going back to the coach-GM situation with the Bears, if any of this is done to try to prolong a job or hang on for dear life or make it you know more weeks into the season, I think you've already lost when you draft who you think is your franchise quarterback. I, I don't know, Paul, is it better to try to line that up with a new coach? Yes. And GM and just start all over instead of having this one-year transition where we're even discussing, and I agree with Hutton, it's certainly a discussion point, but we're discussing what Nagy needs to do in order to keep his job longer.
0: Well, what happens ultimately, right, if he's out after this year, then you hire somebody who completely believes in fields. But if it doesn't work out with Fields, then that guy ultimately ends up saying, well, that, I didn't. Fields wasn't my guy. I didn't yeah, choose Brable Fields. Vrabel and Mariota. Right. And so then you get a restart. That new coach gets extra time because he's expected to see through Fields, make it work. But if it doesn't work, then he gets to choose his own quarterback. Uh, so that's an extended period of time. That's how it worked for for Vrabel. Vrabel came in, said, this is a great job because I've got Marcus Mariota here. Then he tries to get everything he can out of Marcus Mariota. Then he says, you know what? Mariota didn't cut it. Robinson got me Tannehill. Oh, look, I can, well, I can do something.
1: With I understand the Bears fans' frustration here because, you know, just comparing it to the Titans, going through VY and then gradually getting to Mariota, you could still point to, a relative, clo- relatively close example with Steve McNair being your franchise quarterback. For the Bears, you have to go back to Jim McMahon uh, to, to find a, a legitimate
0: quarterback. And that was relatively short-lived.
1: So, so when you consider that they have who they have tabbed as an organization, their franchise guy in Justin Fields, and they're telling the fans that we're sitting the bench with him, that's going to upset them. I don't, that's why Dalton is, he has no chance of winning the fans over.
0: They're impatient because of decades and decades That's it. And decades. That's Here's it. the other thing, look, the, these preseason games we're talking about are mostly, maybe there are a couple on Sunday, uh, but they're mostly on Saturday, right, which is the 28th. Teams get back to work on the 30th. You know, by the second or the third, next Thursday and Friday, they're starting to think about the opener. And they're starting to practice for the opener. Yes, You've got to have decided then. And once you do that, Justin Fields isn't practicing much. That's all Andy Dalton. The first-teamer's getting 80% of the reps, if not more. Some quarterbacks aren't yielding, you know, but a couple snaps at the end of every period and you're talking that from September 2nd and then into a regular practice week starting Monday the 6th. You know, you practice traditionally Monday the 6th. There'd be some more game planning on Tuesday the 7th when players would be off. Then the 8th, 9th, 10th, if you've got a Sunday game, are the three main practice days. Justin Fields and guys like that, the guys who lose Taysom Hill conceivably, Drew Locke conceivably, Mac Jones, conceivably, these other rookies that we've talked about, they downshift on those three days. And this is no longer training camp where they're getting a good slate of the work. This is a downshift into clipboard holding mode. And for the remainder of the time that we're talking about while they're on the shelf waiting for their opportunity to play, they're not doing a lot. You're not seeing a lot of progress. The progress you're seeing is in the meeting rooms and with the period you stay after with the quarterback coach and the coordinator. But it decelerates, right, the progress that you can make. You're not throwing every day against a, a show defense. You're running a scout team.
1: Coming up, the Tennessee Power Hour on Outkick 360. A couple of topics that we'll hit to begin with the Tennessee Titans. Julio Jones is not practicing. We're not really sure when he's going to get back to on-field, full-team work. Ultimately, will it matter? And Derek Henry said yesterday that he was involved in more full-team reps because he wanted to knock the rust off. Does he need some work against Chicago? We'll discuss that and more straight ahead on Outkick 360 Live from 6th and Peabody.